Hi, my name is Julianne Grossman. I'm the voice of the ship's computer on Discovery, and this is Trek Untold. Welcome back to Trek Untold, the Star Trek-inspired podcast that goes beyond the stars. I'm your host, Matthew Kaplowitz. This week, we go digital because we are speaking with the voice of the computer aboard the USS Discovery. The only difference is that it would be rude to call this performer computer because her actual name is Julianne Grossman. Julianne has been doing voiceover work for over two decades, including roles in animated shows like Justice League Action, The Batman, Rugrats All Grown Up, DC Superhero Girls, and video games like EverQuest 2, Neverwinter Nights 2, Army of Two, Two Human, and plenty of other titles that don't have some form of two in them. In fact, a lot of those roles were featured in games that had other Star Trek actors in them, including the Star Wars Old Republic games and Elder Scrolls Online. But as you'll hear today, Julianne was not limited simply to animation. She's lent her voice to corporate audio gigs, working for clients like McDonald's, Target, Applebee's, Nike, Arby's, and a few we'll discuss that may give you an uneasy feeling when you hear them. I know they did to me. But of course, this being Trek Untold, our focal point of this discussion today is her role as the voice of the ship on Star Trek Discovery. So today, we're going to find out how she got that role, what it was like to take the reins, and how she developed a voice for something that has no emotional range whatsoever to it. It's harder than you think to make a convincing computer voice, but Julianne explains her process of how she goes from her bubbly, energetic self into the monotone, electronic being that envelops all of the Discovery. Before we begin this episode, I'd like to remind you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Trek Untold. One word, no spaces. You can also support our show by visiting patreon.com slash trekuntold. If you're already following us or offering your support in any way, thank you for your help. Most of all, please make sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a rating and review wherever it is that you're listening to it. This helps more people find us and hear the show. And I'd also like to make a quick shout out to our friends at Triple Fiction Productions, who make some great 3D printed Star Trek inspired products for toys and people. But you're going to hear more about them a little bit later. Now, without further ado, let's beam up this week's guest. Computer, access interview file. Affirmative. Initiating program. All right, we're back. Welcome back to Trek Untold. And joining me now on the other side of the line, we have Julianne Grossman, who you guys know as the voice of the computer on Star Trek Discovery. Julianne, how are you today? I'm great. I'm great. Thanks so much, Matthew, for having me on. Thank you for being a guest. Uh, now, I'd like to ask you the same question I ask all the guests on our show so far, and that would be, what is your earliest memory of Star Trek? Uh, that would have to be, as a very young girl, uh, my dad was a fan of the show, and uh, he would watch Captain Kirk and do imitations of Captain Kirk, and I remember hearing the music of the show. Um, I think it was on a little bit too late for me, so I didn't watch too much of it at the time, but uh, I think my earliest memory is of my dad watching it. So when you were a little kid watching Star Trek with your dad, did little Julianne think she was going to become a voiceover performer at that time? <laughs> uh, no, I had no idea that this is where I would end up. No idea, but I'm very glad I did. But yeah, no idea. So how did you go towards that career path into doing voiceover work? Uh, well, I I got a degree in theater and was a performer, but I... While I was going to college, um, I ended up 
working at a gym as a manager at a gym. And uh, I used to do the gym's on hold messages. You know, thank you for calling Racquetball World. We're going to be doing this health clinic and that and, you know, the other thing. And and uh, a gentleman came in uh, and said, you know, and asked who the, the voice on hold was. And I said it was me. And he had a company that did on hold recordings and voicemail systems and automated attendance, which were really big back then. And so I actually became uh, a voice, well, one of the primary voices used on um, concatenated systems. And concatenation is the process of saying, you have one dollar in your account. And then you string it all together, and uh, that's how phone banking systems uh, were produced, and a lot of a lot of other automated systems using concatenation. So uh, I think I'm still the voice on some of those outdated systems, which um, which sort of lent itself to my the voice that I use for discovery uh, because I had so much experience doing those, you know, automated systems back in the day. Um, anyway, one thing led to another with uh, this gentleman producer who sort of found me at the gym and I left the gym and uh, we started working together and I started doing a lot more corporate voiceover. And then, uh, and then it just so happened that my best friend, Matthew has your same wonderful name. Um, worked at a post-production house and he knew all the voiceover agents in town and one one of their Christmas parties he invited me and I got to meet all these voiceover agents um and so I met them I I uh didn't want you know I wanted to capitalize on meeting all of them so I created a demo and I and I sent it to all of them and one of them signed me up and that's how it all started I got to say, Julianne, when you just did that bank voice, uh, I got really anxious because it pretty much sounds like the voice that my bank still uses. So thanks for giving me a scare. <laughs> you have one dollar in your oh, account. Oh, please. No, no. <laughs> Anything but that. No. So tell us a little bit about what your first professional gig was on a TV show or a film. On a TV show or a film. Oh, boy. Um I have no idea. I mean, the, the, the first I can remember it's, it's, I mean, I've been doing this <laughs> a long time. So I, Who's I don't anxious know now? if I remember my, yeah, maybe it's just now. It's not just now. Um, but it's, it, I, I used to do a lot of sound alikes. Um, and I did, you know, okay, I'm going way back here. So back in the day, when you had a film and you showed it on regular television or you showed it on an in-flight entertainment system, you had to take out all the bad words and replace them with gosh darn and gee whiz and this kind of thing. And so the celebrities typically didn't do that. And so they would hire a sound alike. So uh, for the movie Bridget Jones Diary, Renee Zellweger plays... Uh, a British woman, and um, 
you know, oh, bugger this and bugger that and this and, you know, and I, I auditioned for it and booked it. So I played Renee Zellweger in the TV airline version of Bridget Jones' Diary. That was one of the early ones. Um, that was the most fun. I mean, I can come up with other TV examples, but that was probably an early gig that was really fun. That sounds like it. It sounds like it is kind of a fun job to really be able to play so many different roles in that regard and just kind of imagining what these actors or actresses would, would say uh, when they can't curse. Right, right, right. What do you say when you can't curse? You know, I'm, you, you call me. <laughs> Gosh darn it. <laughs> exactly. So uh, I'd like to jump ahead now and talk a little bit about Star Trek Discovery. Uh, so can, can you just first start off, tell us uh, how you found out about this role and what the audition process was like to be the voice of the computer? Wow, this is this is a very. I'm going to give you an unglamorous answer. Um, I don't want to disappoint anybody, but um, I, I audition almost every day. My agents will send me copy, and I audition from home. So Star Trek Discovery was no different. I I um, received a piece of copy. I, I did not know what it was for. I just knew that it needed to be a computer voice. I auditioned from home. And, um, and when I booked it, uh, that's, that is the time that I learned that it was for start. I I was a computer voice on Star Trek discovery. I had no idea even after the session that I was discovery. (laughs) Um, I think they, you know, they, they cast me, they wanted to see how it played. So it wasn't really until the third session that I knew, okay, I, I have this job. I mean, this is my job. So nobody ever, nobody ever really says, you know, congratulations. You know, there's never, there's never that, there's rarely that moment in this, um, at least in the voiceover world. So, uh, but after a few sessions, I started realizing that, you know, that was it. And, and that moment was, um, was really amazing for me. So it was truly the discovery of being on discovery for lack of a better word. Absolutely. Very well put. Yes. The discovery of being the discovery. Yes. Trek Untold will return momentarily. Trek Untold is brought to you by Triple Fiction Productions. If you're a Star Trek cosplayer looking for props or toy collector looking to spice up your shelves, Triple Fiction Productions has you covered. Triple Fiction Productions produces affordable and unique 3D printed Trek inspired products from the original series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, and the movies. You can expect the same amount of care and attention to detail in any of the items in their catalog, whether it's a prop replica for use in a fan film or part of a cosplay, or accessories and playsets for figures from Playmates, Migos, or Diamond Select. Own your very own tricorder or phaser rifle with working lights, the bridge of the Enterprise E for your Playmates figures, or any other item from countless species and ships from the Star Trek universe. All products are 3D printed in the USA and are constantly evolving and improving based on fan feedback. To learn more about their products, visit them at triple-fictionproductions.net or on Facebook at facebook.com slash triplefictionproductions. Triple Fiction Productions, taking Star Trek where no 3D printer has gone before. If 
if you find yourself listening to your favorite podcast and wondering what microphone they use or how they do their editing, or if you watch a YouTube video and you wonder what camera is that, or going one step further, if you're watching Twitch and you're wondering how your favorite Twitch streamer built their rig and if you can do the same, then Toys and Tech of the Trade is for you. Toys and Tech of the Trade is an interview series where we sit down with content creators, entrepreneurs, and discuss the gadgets and gear that they use to create their content and run their businesses. We use toys in a broad sense, meaning the stuff that just puts a smile on your face, whether it's action figures to something a little bit more complex like musical instruments, cars. You'd be surprised what people consider their toys. Toys and Tech of the Trade can be found on all major podcast providers, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and of course, Spotify. Feel free to visit us at RageWorksNetwork.com to check us out. We now return to Trek Untold. Now, before you, Magil Barrett was the voice of the computer on Star Trek for many, many iterations of the show. Uh, did you do any research on how she performed her role before you recorded your first session? I did not. Um, I, I did not really know from Star Trek myself. I, I hadn't watched it. Um, and, um, and I didn't do any research. Um, I later, it, it, it wasn't really until I went to my, my very first and only Star Trek convention that my eyes were opened in such a big way. It was, it was truly just an, uh, absolutely overwhelming um, time. It was then that uh, Rob Roddenberry wanted to meet me. Um, and when he met me, he said, I wanted to meet the woman who replaced my mother as the voice of the ship. And I, I, I had had no idea. And I I just hugged him and and it just kind of brought tears to my eyes and um and i and i found out later through Trevor Roth who you know is the CEO of Roddenberry Productions um he told me later that he and Rod had strongly been considering editing Majel Barrett's voice together to continue uh, that that was a strong consideration that they would still use her voice and just, you know, through the magic of editing, bring her on to discovery and, and, and then they decided against it. So, um, I, I really got really very lucky and, and it's just an absolute honor to be doing it. I'd like to ask a little about the, I guess, let's say the acting theory behind how you take on this kind of a role, because the voice of the computer on Star Trek is by nature an emotionalist character, doesn't offer a ton of range for a performer. Uh, and I think you touched on this a little bit before you were talking about some of your previous work with Banks and that kind of thing. Um, but how did you approach this role and make it your own distinct computer voice without being able to emote? Being the voice of a computer comes very easily to me because of my background. I've also done a lot of theory stuff for TV and film, and I've played a lot of different computer voices and um for this one uh in the audition i gave a variety i gave a few things but when it comes down to the sessions i give the producers two takes and one take is much more clipped uh sounds much more automated 
uh, has the inflections of the concatenation, which I mentioned earlier. Um, and then one, and then we do another series of takes that's a little bit more ethereal sounding, um, a little more um, removed, uh, but in a very peaceful way. And they still, uh, even now on episode three, they, they still want me to give both takes. And I think that they interchange them. If you listen closely, there are some different styles in there. I, I don't think it's consistent. Now, as a VO performer, the majority of your work is done away from the cast and crew, and especially on a show like Discovery. Uh, you're basically just locked in your own booth, in your own world. Um, but have you been able to meet any of the actors on Discovery since you started doing the show? I did. I, I met them all at the convention, and that was seriously one of the most amazing things ever. Um, Scott Ray, my um, my appearance broker, that sounds so silly, um, my personal trainer, my manicurist, my appearance broker. Um, but anyway, Scott um, would grab me during the convention and bring me up to, you know, Jason Isaacs or Jonathan Frakes or not, not necessarily Jonathan Frakes, but one of the other, you know, cast members of, of Discovery. And he would say, there's one member of the cast, or Doug Jones, for example, he would say there's one member of the cast that you have not met. And I would be standing there and, you know, Anson Mount or whoever it was would look up at me quizzically and say, okay. And I would say, I need your ear for just one quick second. And they'd say, okay. And I would just get in their ear and say, black alert, uh, which I'm not, by the way, supposed to say because CBS prohibits me from saying that and using that voice. So I'm going to try to stay away from it. But that's all I said in their ear. And they all, I mean, every single one of them, and I have pictures that my husband took, everyone was blown away. And it was so much fun, you know, to meet them like that. Because, yeah, I, I come in on post, you know, when they're doing post-production, I come in after all the production is done, so I have no, zero interaction with them. So that was really fun. Oh, that sounds great. And I just imagine them hearing Black Alert. They're just like, oh, we're going to jump. All right. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Now, I know that with most fandoms, uh, fans typically don't like change. So once you became the voice and you started doing conventions, and even just before then when you were, you know, I guess some people f knew it was you doing the voice, uh, how were you received by fans? I was, I was, uh, no, absolutely no negativity. I, I was, I was, um, Matthew, I don't even know how, I was absolutely overwhelmed. Um, you know, if you've never been to a Star Trek convention and you're not a Trek fan, uh, you don't get it. You just don't get it. You think, oh my gosh, a Star Trek convention and whatever judgments you have or whatever you think goes on there, uh, you just don't get it, you know, and, and enter, having entered that world and having been so, so, so honored to, to have this role, I, I didn't even realize uh, the impact that it had until I was at a convention and I, the, the one thing that I came away with 
from the convention was the abject kindness, the kindness of hundreds and if not thousands of people who I had never met before from different countries, from every state, um, having traveled to Las Vegas for this, greeting me with such warmth and engaging with me and, and, you know, telling me their story. And, uh, and, and these were, these, these people were, were so bright. I mean, astrophysicists and scientists and computer scientists and PhDs and, and, um, you know, there, there was, there was, it, it was just the most delightful, uh, experience i've i've really one of the most delightful things i've i've ever experienced i can't say enough about uh the fans and um you know i had no idea that i i made an impact um like that and 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 uh i just met some wonderful people it was amazing absolutely no negativity whatsoever oh that's great to hear you were so well received uh and with a resume as big as yours as well in pop culture and geekdom if you will uh, you know, you've performed as a lot of very well-known characters. You've been Big Barda, you've been Hippolyta, you've been Chancellor Suresh in a bunch of Star Wars games, so many other characters from so many shows. Uh, which character would you say has been the most recognizable or most popular with fans? And who's been the most fun for you to play? Gosh, I'm going to have to go with Barda on that. Barda is, um, she is just a, she's a behemoth. She's fantastic. She's a warrior. She saves Wonder Woman. She's a strong, fierce Amazonian and uh you know, uh she's she's just a fantastic character and so many wonderful actresses have portrayed her over the years and um so I loved playing Barda and you know, I also loved playing um uh Queen Hippolyta. You know, I, I loved playing Hippolyta too, but, but, um, yeah, I think Bard is my favorite, but the, but the, the, the second, uh, second in command or the second choice, I should say, the runner up is probably Chancellor Suresh, um, from Star Wars, the old Republic. She's, she's, uh, you know, she just has this wonderfully understated, power and when I got that role um of course she's Suresh but she's the supreme chancellor of the universe I mean that's the name of the character and I came home after I got the job did the job and I said to my husband you will now refer to me as the supreme counselor of the universe <laughs> and he uh <laughs> he, 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 I think he went with it for about one minute, and that was about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Julianne, you also worked on Spaceballs, the animated series, and I'd love to know, did you ever get to actually meet Mel Brooks while you are on that show? Of course, yes. We were all together. Uh, the, the entire cast was all together in, in the typical animated horseshoe um, shape that you typically record in, and 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 Mel was there, and Joan Rivers, God bless her, was there, and I got to meet her and have a great time with her, and um, and I even met Dom DeLuise. Uh He came in. I'll tell you a funny story about him. He came in one day because he was 
Pizza the Hut, you know, in Spaceballs. And there was a, a line that he had to read while he was eating. So it would sound like he was eating, you know. So they gave him things that were very crunchy to eat, you know, celery and carrots and this kind of thing. And so he's trying to say his line and he's, she kept choking. So he kept saying, I want to, I, and he tried the third time. And then he finally says, Mel, I'm sorry. I got a whole Puerto Rican family down my throat. And Mel said, you can say your line, but you can't say my line, you know? So, so that was, that was bad. And then, you know, working with Joan Rivers was just amazing. Yeah. So yeah, I got to meet all of them and get to know them over a 13 week period of time. Oh, that sounds like an amazing experience. It was. So Julianne, with a resume as big as yours, I know you've got a lot of insight to share with us, and there's only so much time in this interview today, but I did want to ask if you have any advice for aspiring voiceover performers who may be listening today. Yes, I definitely have advice for people who want to do voiceover. Um, it's obviously highly competitive. I mean, if you imagine that acting is competitive, well, voice acting is just a niche of acting. So it's, it's super, super tough to get into and super competitive. That being said, there's always room for greatness and there's always room for talent and versatile actors in this field. And I would say, go for it. If it's something that you want to try your hand at, um, I would also tell anybody who wanted to get into voiceover that having a home studio is crucial, especially now, unfortunately, um, our interview is during this COVID-19 quarantine, and it's a really tricky time. And I'm blessed to be able to continue to work at home. Um, so now more than ever, you do need to have a quiet area where you can record. And, um, and I know that somebody listening to this, you know, if you, if you just go for it, and you're talented, you can be a success. Now, much of your career so far has been doing voiceover performing, but would you ever like to appear on screen as yourself, maybe in uniform or as an alien somehow on the Star Trek Discovery series or another Star <laughs> Trek show? Yeah, listen, if they if they asked me, if they wanted me to, I would happily do it. I, I, I've never really had a desire to do um, on-camera work, although I've done a lot of live theater and I love live theater. Um, but I'm super happy behind the mic. And uh, listen, if someone wants me to be an alien, I'm happy to sit in a makeup chair and do a walk on. That would be super fun. So Julianne, last question for you. What is the best part about being a piece of the Star Trek universe? Hands down the fans. Um, it's, uh, it's wonderful to be included in this family. Um, when I was at the conventions or at the convention, person after person after fan after fan would come up to me and, and say, welcome to the family, welcome to the family, welcome to the family. And, and it was, uh, I mean, I, it honestly brought tears to my eyes. It was so moving. And that's just 
the absolute hands down best part about being a part of this. Thank you so much. Uh, I wish we had more time to chat, but hopefully another time we could do it again. Right on. Thank you so much. It was really insightful. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Matthew. Bye-bye. So that was our chat with Julianne Grossman. And as you may have noticed, this interview was a little bit shorter than our past ones. And that's due to the hectic schedule of a voiceover performer. These folks are nonstop workers, and a typical day for them is running from audition to gig, audition to gig, gig to another gig, and well, you get the idea. It's the nature of voiceover work, and it's a real crazy lifestyle. Aside from the voiceover work we discussed today, Julianne also made her solo playwriting and stage debut in 2004 in a show titled From Bonkers to Botox. It chronicled her bouts with severe depression, suicide ideation and attempts, and recovery but from a surprisingly humorous perspective. The show had a sold-out nine-week run in L.A. at the Stella Adler Theater, and was quite acclaimed. Julianne attempted to end her life three times a few years ago prior to writing that show, stemming from a LASIK surgery that left her in chronic pain along with other problems, leading her to being so doped up for the medications that she was practically catatonic and ready to end it all. Thankfully, Julianne recovered and made this dark comedy to share her journey with others. Through the play, she assumed the roles of 25 different characters— ranging from hospital workers to patients in the psych ward, among many others. NBC Universal signed Grossman shortly afterwards to develop the play into a series, which I don't think went too far, but perhaps it's time for a revival. I hope we can chat another day with Julianne again about that show and to learn a little bit more about her life, but I would like to add the following message out of respect for Julianne and her work. If you or someone you know is contemplating suicide, you can reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Or you can chat with a live person anytime on their website at suicidepreventionlifeline.org. There are also a few Star Trek fan groups on Facebook that offer emotional support for anyone going through any mental health issues. So if you can't find support in the people around you or want to hear some more voices, reach out to your Star Trek family. So thank you for listening to this week's episode of Trek Untold. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. And if you can, leave a review and rating. We'd appreciate it very much. You can also follow us on social media. Just look for Trek Untold on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you and let us know what you think about the show. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out patreon.com slash trekuntold to learn how you can keep our ship operating at full power. Once again, thank you to our sponsor, Triple Fiction Productions, and shout out to Scott Ray for setting up this interview. If you'd like to book this week's guest for a convention appearance or an autograph signing event or anything else, you can email Scott at scottray67 at aol.com. This has been Trek Untold. I'm Matthew Kaplowitz, and until next time, fortune favors the bold.